Welcome to another episode of the Powerless to Powerful Recovery Podcast. My name is Jason. I'm an alcoholic and addict. As always, our mission is to share experience, strength, and hope across multiple media platforms. The story of addiction and the road to recovery. We're not affiliated with Alcoholics Anonymous or any other 12-step-based organizations or groups in any way. And here we are on again, man. It's been too long. How long has it been? Man, it feels like it's been it's been. I mean, last happy year. holidays. Last year. I mean, yeah, last year. That's right. right. My co-host is here, Ronnie, no matter what. Man, dude, we got to get after this a little bit more, bro. No, we do. Yeah, we do. Know. You know, we we have these busy lives, but this is really important to us, and I know we both miss it. Yeah. So today we have our special guest on the show. Special. Rashawn, a.k.a. B-Rad's on the show today. What's up, Rashawn? What's up, man? Oh, What's you didn't on? want me to say that, right? It's all right, man. <laughs> no, he didn't want me to say that. He doesn't go by B-Rad anymore. No. No, okay. Past all that. And, you know, every time we have someone on the show, you know, it's it's always this thing. It's like, what's the affiliation, man? Like, how do we know you? How did you get on the show? I think it's important for all the listeners just to kind of understand, like, you know, the people that we bring on here are all stars in the recovery community. They're the ones out there shining that light in, in the dark out there, man, because, dude, people are dying out there, dude. Yeah, they are. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, remember when we were at, so we were at a PAL event, man. Uh, it's called Parents of Addicted Loved Ones. And I may have shared this before, but uh, we were at this event with Sanctuary. Big shout out Sanctuary Recovery Centers for letting us use their studio as always. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and uh, we were at this event, right? And the, the keynote speaker was a special agent from the DEA, right? And she gets up there and she makes the speech and she's talking about the fentanyl epidemic and just how it's killing everyone, which it is. And she says, man, every five minutes, someone dies from a fentanyl overdose. Enough lethal doses of fentanyl were seized last year for every American to get two pills. Yeah. That's, that's I, insane. Mind that insane. And I remember when she said that, and I know what you were thinking. You were thinking job security. <laughs> job security. God, that's God. so wrong, dude. That's so wrong, Ron. And I had to clean it up and tell you, dude, you know, this is our opportunity to help a lot of people, dude. You're welcome. And, uh, you know, and, and so it's, it's those things, man, that are just, it's killing people, bro. You know? I, you know, and I'm a little bit older than you too, right? I've never seen, I've seen most of the epidemics, right? Um, you know, the crack cocaine epidemic, the heroin epidemic, and, you know, now this fentanyl epidemic. And I have never seen how this fentanyl epidemic has just seized this country. It seems like, you know, you drive around here in Phoenix sometimes and you look around and it can get discouraging because... A friend of mine said, Ron, look, the world gave up. Mm. And through the windshield of my car, that's how it looks sometimes that the yeah. world gave up, right? So that's where we have to be the light, right? Yeah. And so that's what this podcast is for, man. And, you know, shout out to all our listeners all over the world and across the country and continue to like and subscribe and share the podcast and reach out to us and give us feedback. If you want to be on the show, DM me, DM Ron. You can get at us, man. We'd love to have you on the show. My point of bringing all that up is... This is the platform that we're using to shine that light. So we bring on shiny people. Mm. <laughs> Thanks, how man. shiny that yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, what just, I mean, God, that's what recovery looks like, huh? Mm. Yes, that is look, exactly look, what recovery looks like. Yeah. Hey, you ever seen uh -huh. that TikTok, Ron, where the guy goes around all the NBA games with the uh, the, the little thing that, that tells if it's fake jewelry or not? Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got one of those. <laughs> okay, did it, does it pass the test, bro? Yes, it does pass okay. the oh, test. Oh, my bad. You see the way <laughs> yes, he said it with confidence. <laughs> 
Hey, it doesn't matter what you tell anyone. If you tell them with confidence, they always believe you. That's it, man. Uh huh. Let me get that credit card number. (laughs) The visa, the one that starts with the four. I'll hold. Right. How did you know it started with the four? I know. I think we're geniuses. Telemarketing, another show, another day. But we got our special guest here, and and you know, Rashawn, let's go. We've known each other for a long time. I always like to to talk about how we actually met. You know, so I met Rashawn in the beginning of a eight year prison sentence, and we'll get to his story. And he was in the midst of an eight year prison sentence. And when I met him on the yard, I was sober, and we did a couple years together. And this is the one moment that sticks out when, you know, we worked together today and we were talking about it earlier tonight in this moment. And I remember that I had got moved to Florence and, you know, you know, probably about a year, probably a year before you did six months. It wasn't that long. I'll tell you that. And then in that period of time, I had found addiction in prison. And I remember when he touched down on the yard and I went up to say what's up to him and he had this look in his eye and he looked at me and he said, what the fuck happened to you? <laughs> and he had this look, not not like I'm mad, not like I'm disappointed. Like he was like a fear. He was looking at me like, dude, you're going to die, dude. And he was right. I was. And I'll never forget that look that you had. And, uh, you know, and then fast forward, we did all of our prison time together, you know, so it's a really cool moment to have you work here and have you on the show and share this experience. And Ron, you know, obviously all three of us work for Sanctuary. And so, but Ron, when did you meet, you know, Rashawn? So I met Rashawn at another facility, at a reentry facility uh, when he, when he got out of prison and, um, was he trying to bang some girls in the elevator and on the side stairs over there? Nah, man, I was just no, getting no, my shit right. Okay, no, all right, man. all right. No, I'll check in. Did he have a green lanyard? Freedom guy, was it red or the red, the red, red? red? Oh, yeah. my bad. Rashawn, um, he, his demeanor and how he carried himself, there was no doubt if you interacted with Rashawn, which I did several times, you know, mm. um, he was all business. He, he, he was done living that life that he was living. Um, he had some a, a bunch of experiences that he's going to talk about that led him up to to being at that that facility, and it got your feet going in the right direction. And I just remember every event there at that facility where there had to be volunteers, you were always there, always, always serving, giving back to to the program that had given you something that you never had before, and that was hope. Yes, right, and you know. And so, and then here we are, right? And so Ron alluded to some parts of your story because it is, uh, I mean, it's a miracle for all three of us to be alive. If you would have known Ron like I did back in 2011, he is really a miracle. I'm surprised you're sitting still right now. You don't have any residuals from over eight years ago now. Um, But, (laughs) oh, we're going to, oh, you're dancing? We're going to get to that in a second. Oh, yeah, dancing. Yeah, we're going to get to that in a dance. Yeah, we're going to dance today. At least one of us is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about your story, man, because every journey starts somewhere and there's just so much to it. And I don't really want to waste any more time with that, you know? So you're born in Phoenix and, you know, we know this disease doesn't discriminate, right? Like, you know, people who come from broken homes and experience trauma in their lives. Dude, some of those men and women go on to be, you know, successful and they don't end up in prison and they don't end up in addiction and they have amazing lives. The high majority end up doing the types of things that we do. But I came from a great home. Shout out mom and dad. And I still went to prison. and was on the same yard yeah. with you because our stories are different, right? Yeah. And so why don't you share a little bit what it was like, um, you know, growing up with your grandparents and, you know, your mom, you know, abandoning you when you're young 
and dad dying and everything that came along with that. So why don't you take a moment and we'll, we'll shut up now and let you speak a little bit. <laughs> um, so why don't you share what it was like growing up? So growing up, man, I, I can actually say, um, you know, age of two, one of my first memories ever growing, you know, one of my first memories that ever came to mind it was the day my mother left me it was the day my grandmother came to the house with my grandfather we were in Texas, so my, my mom moved us out to Texas. And one day she called my grandmother and was like, hey, I don't want these kids anymore. I want You got 24 hours to come pick them up, or I'm going to send them to a foster home. Mm. So my grandmother, she gets in the car, and on the way to you know, to get my grandfather to come pick us up, she ends up hitting some dude on the bike. Oh, grandma did? Yeah, grandma did. <laughs> yeah, yeah clip somebody? Yeah, grandma, probably drunk too Did she stop? Huh? Did she stop? Yeah, or she keep, oh, I'm she pretty did? sure she stopped, I oh. think. I, I don't know yeah. the whole story behind that. But, yeah, they ended up picking us up. We ended up going and staying with my grandmother. Off um, to a rocky start, I would say. Yeah, off to a rocky start. Me yeah. and my brother, Patrick. Um, went to go live with my grandmother. And uh, my grandmother, she was a very violent alcoholic. Mm. You know, uh, by, the time I, uh, by the time we moved in with her, my grandfather just quit, you know, drinking, doing everything. Someone had to be yeah. right, right, for these boys. You know, and my grandfather's old school, man. Shout like out, he, Grandpa. Yeah, he's old school, so, you know, it's death to, you know I mean, till you know, do his part, yeah. you know, basically. So he stuck by my grandmother, dealt with her bullshit, you know, until the day she died. But, um, you know, the stress and everything that she put him through, it reflected back onto me and my, and me and my brother. So yeah. I, grew up into, I grew up in a dysfunctional household. You think? Yeah. Where's dad at? My dad, he's in prison. He was in yeah. prison when I was born. Yeah. You know, so my dad was never really there. First time I believe I met, like, well, growing up with my grandparents, I, I can hardly even remember almost every weekend they'll take us to prison to see my father. Well, which yard did you go to? Uh, Buckeye. He was Buckeye? in Buckeye. Yeah. He was in Tucson. Did you bring them quarters? I can't even, I couldn't even remember. <laughs> yeah, you were man, young. You were young. Yeah. First time I ever seen my, my father actually outside of prison was like when I was like six years old. And that only lasted about a year and a half. And then you went back? Yeah, yeah found some. Some tweaker chick. And, oh, a new and, higher, a higher power. Yeah, yeah new higher power. That's my dad get out of prison, find a chick, smoke dope, go back. That, that yeah. was it. Was just a pattern with them, you know. And so yeah, yeah. And so the reason I, you know, kind of stop because you know you think about all those things, right? That the trauma, you know, just from abandonment, right? There is like over twelve plus characteristics that you will adopt as an adult from being abandoned, dude. Just that in itself let alone dad not being there, let alone grandma who you live with is an alcoholic and what you have to deal with her being sober and drunk and sober and drunk and everything that comes with that. And so usually what ends up happening when we when we live in that type of environment is we usually what, Ron, turn to the streets. Right. Yeah. yeah. You ever turn, turn to the streets? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we... <clears throat> We look for that, even though we, we come from good homes and, mm -hmm. and upbringing and morals, and, and you just said all of our stories are different. The roads all lead to, like, what, what my experience has been, that acceptance, that acceptance yeah, in the street. validation through we're, others, right? right? Yeah. You know, you know I'm going to do the craziest stuff because I want you to like me. Like me. Like me. Yeah, I just want to be liked, dude. That's it. And I think everybody experiences that. We all want to be liked, even today being sober, dude. We all want to be liked, dude. And, you know, that's what recovery is about, man. Being okay with not being liked, having the tough conversations, not compromising your own needs, wants, values, and morals for other people, and standing firm in what you believe in. You know, that's what recovery is all about. But you didn't, that wasn't your stance at the time. Okay. So you turn to the streets. And so when I talk about turning to the streets, what's that look like for you? Basically, I, 
everybody outside of my household was my family. You know, um, I was unruly. Didn't do anything that my grandparents told me to do. I was start smoking cigarettes, start. How old were you when you started getting high for the first time? 11 years old. 11 years I was old. 11 years old. Um, oh, dude, that, dude, my daughter's 11 years old. Dude, yeah. we're talking. Could you imagine? Yeah. Oh, my dude. God, dude. Now it really puts it in perspective. Dude, my yeah. daughter's 11. She's so she fifth grade, bro. Fourth, yeah, fifth grade. I, I look at my son. He's 13 years old, and he just looks so young, so so innocent, so little. And it's like, man, you really got it good. You got your mom. You know, you got me in your life right now, you know, even though I wasn't there for about eight yeah. years, but now I'm there, you know, you, you got a lot and be grateful, you know. I want to say something real quick. With you saying that, I seen you smiling, talking about your son. We were working yesterday and Rashawn was with a client and I was in the conference room and Rashawn's phone was there and his, his phone was ringing and it said Rashawn Jr. So I answered it and he's like, oh, I'm, he knew I wasn't his dad and he yeah. goes, um, this is Rashawn. I want to know if I can hang out with my dad today. Oh, yes, dude. <laughs> I was like, hold on, dude. Yeah, that's yeah. what, I mean, that's yeah. what it's all about, dude. So awesome. Yeah, yeah dude, just awesome. the blessings that come with recovery, man. It's it's a miracle. Um, but you turn to the streets, you know, gang, what is it, gang, party crew, what are we party, talking about? Yeah, man? I got involved Bloods, in Crips, what are we talking about? MS-13? You look yeah, like MS-13 type. Oh, my bad. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, that ain't no good. So what yeah, comes no. with that lifestyle? Uh, a lot of looking behind your back, mm. you know, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of fights, a lot of, uh, stress, man, in my daily life. Uh, there was, uh, always just looking to, you know what I mean, for that next, uh, high and just not just doing drugs but that high of the nut rush of just going to the parties getting into a fight you know i mean yeah. starting drama you know just we we got a kick out of just pulling a, a gun on some kids on the street adrenaline rush, yeah. yeah it was adrenaline rush man and uh i made that like my higher power for a while yeah it was just uh you know just the life of just living on the streets being you know not falling not having any rules not listening to my grandparents um Doing what I wanted when I wanted, making a name for yourself. Yeah, making a name oh, for Jason myself. Just said validating through mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. That's what really got me, you know, kicking with the wrong cats. But you know, some of them I are, are doing good now. You know, they yeah. figured it out before I did. I kept doing my bullshit. You <laughs> yeah. know, and um, some of them are still really good. You know, what I mean, good peeps that I know to this day. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I I started becoming someone who I wasn't. You know. Like, and it happens, uh, and it happens yeah. real fast. And then you know your dad passes away. What, thirteen years old? I was thirteen years old. Yeah. Do you remember that moment? Do you remember like I was? Uh, rem- I remember the exact moment. I was actually down the street at my uh, boy Avery's house, and uh, we were literally drinking forties, forties <laughs> of old English. Oh, and, the uh, old E. Forty old, forty old English, man. All right, so we're we're sitting drinking, and I remember his mom comes up like, "Hey, Rashawn, your dad's in the hospital." I'm like, oh, "Crap!" I didn't really think of nothing of it until. You know, they're like, hey, your, your your family wants you back at the house. I'm like, all right. I'm Put with the 40 brother. down, dude. Yeah. They're looking for you. Yeah, I get to the house, man. And they're like, oh, he's in the hospital. He's good. He's all right. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, okay. Can't, oh, well, do you want to go see him? I'm like, yeah, we can go see him. We get to the hospital. They say he's alive. But clearly when we get in there, he's he's gone. He, he, mm. was, he died on seeing where he was at. So he died right oh. there on 27th Avenue in Northern. He was a... Uh, he got electrocuted to death working. Electrocuted? He was working? Yeah. What, trying to steal copper? Listen to this no. story. Tell no. He was uh, working on an AC unit to put on a bus for some tweakers, oh. and they wrapped the, the wiring up with aluminum foil, and he ended up grabbing it. And it, he it, got it, electrocuted it, it, to death. Electrocuted to death. He looked like uh, Awful. one of those cartoon characters that get burnt up from electricity. That's how my father looked, laying in the hospital bed. Oh, my God, yeah. dude. And how do you process that, right? I mean... 
I didn't really know how, you know, uh, I, I grieved for like a good week. Um, what I, what I did to grieve, I went to my boy's house down the street and I got drunk and I smoked weed. That's how I, yeah, and that's so, how I dealt with it. Yeah, and yeah. cause that's what we do. Right. So because, I mean, I, we, we talk about this all the time with our clients, our own recovery, our sponsees, any chance we get, we talk about drugs and alcohol are the solution to our problems. Right. Mm. Any, first off, any negative emotion, drugs work, alcohol works. Don't think, don't feel, don't care. Right. Um, so now what we, and positive emotions, let's not get that twisted. Cause what it'll make it better. Right. I'm going to make it better, you know? And so at such a young age, we start associating our emotions and drinking and that attachment is there and the solution. And so now anytime anything happens in our life, it doesn't matter good or bad. We turn to drinking and drugging. And so what also came along with that is some anger. Right. And so what, what does that time period look like after your dad dies and you're angry and you're you're in school, but you're in a gang, and I, I don't think those two things go to. I, I never met a gang banging valedictorian. <laughs> no, I mean yeah. I don't know one. There might be, you know, but what's that look like? Right after my dad died, like within like probably like the first month, I was already kicked out of school. I got sent to a transition center for troubled use. Yeah, uh, Peoria Excel, uh, Peoria Transition. And you already said it. that use. Yeah. You sounded like Joe Pesci from uh, (laughs) My Cousin Vinny. I got sent there, man, and I I consistently, I just kept ditching school, hopping on that that first city bus. As soon as I get to school, grandparents drop me off or something, I'm getting right on that city bus. I'm headed back to the neighborhood or to some girl's house that I just, you know what I mean, that I'm trying to mess with or whatnot. Just, yeah. (laughs) Of course. Yeah, and then, you know, it doesn't really... It takes a lot to get kicked to get kicked out of a transition school for trouble. Oh, I mean, you man. got There's kicked. Yeah, you got just, kicked out of. I mean, that's almost as bad as getting kicked out of yeah. one of those tra- uh, alternative schools. Yeah, yeah, I got kicked out of there as well. You got you kicked know? out of an alternative school. They yeah, let you get high got, there. Yeah, I got kicked out of there as well. Oh man. my god, a lot of fights man. at the AMPM, man. Oh, the AMPM. You ever gotten a <laughs> yeah. fight at AMPM? Yeah, as a matter man. of fact, you did. Uh, of fact, yeah, I was there. <laughs> a lot of fights at the AMPM. It wasn't much of a fight. I mean, it was a taser and a baton. Yeah, yeah, that was okay. his jam. Mm-hmm. But let's get back to your jam. But your jam isn't tasers and batons. We're talking about guns. I mean, you've been yeah. shot at. Mm-hmm. You, know, you got your you got your grandparents' house shot at in a drive by. Yeah, most of, by Westside City. Oh. <laughs> How you explain that to Grandpa? Yeah. Oh sh- man, uh, was he surprised? Really was he surprised? No, he really never really figured it out. Oh, he just Straight thought it up. was. Yeah. Like, damn, I got. He's got like, got damn, I got bad stuff. luck. Random yeah. act of violence. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. House got raided quite a few times, like two or three times too, man. In the you know, I mean, during my wild out season. Um, yeah, I put I put that I put that man through hell. Yeah, man, I, I put him through hell. And today, you know, relationships coming back. Yeah, relationships know? back, man. Yeah, I could say he's always happy to see me now. Yeah, I'm allowed at the house. What a change, oh. right? Yeah. <laughs> it took about eight months after prison. <laughs> and to see that it was for real, right? Yeah. A lot of time they just want to see the evidence, you know. Um, High action. But what ends up happening, though, 15 years old, you start getting introduced to pills, man. What kind of pills did you do? I started doing the Perk 15s, man. Oh, the 15, them baby 15s? 15s? Yeah, man. But I was getting, I was getting them freaking like three, four dollars on the pop. Okay, All you right. know. Okay. My, How many were you eating? I started off with like two, and then it got up to the point where I was doing probably like eight, nine a day. Okay, and All then right. probably more than that, I start. I worked my way up to the 30s. 
you know, mm-hmm. then I got it up to the oxy eighties. Mm-hmm. Okay, here I'm we 16, go. Sixteen, dude. I'm sixteen, seventeen, man. I'm taking handfuls of these pills, and people are looking at me like I'm okay. I suicidal, can relate. You know? Yeah, I can relate. <laughs> I'm telling yeah. them like You're these ain't my shit. language. Yeah, I'm like these ain't shit. You know, yeah. And I'll just break them out, snort them up, man. That's we how were it. insane, dude. Yeah, That's, they were right. They were yeah. looking at an insane man, right? <laughs> Um, but as this thing gets started, your disease is just manifesting itself, dude, and the progression and it continues to get worse, just like it's, it has an addiction for all three of us sitting here right now. Um, but at some point, you know, this next event that I'm going to talk about, right. Um, is just a classic example of what craving looks like with our disease, right? It doesn't matter if we're on parole. It doesn't matter if we're on probation. It doesn't matter if I got a good job. It doesn't matter if everything's on the line. And it surely doesn't matter if I had a child, right? Um, And it's unfortunate, right? So you have a a kid at 16. Yeah, 16 years old. I mean, you ain't playing, dog. No, I was supposed to have another kid at 15, too. Oh, yeah. That didn't work out, though. Yeah. Leave it at that. Or you want to elaborate? I mean, it didn't work out. You just like a uh, dog and fucking put it out, put it down in the backyard, or like a horse that breaks his leg. What do you mean it didn't work out? Uh, you know what I'm talking baby about? Baby didn't make it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Baby My didn't bad, make brother. it. So. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. It's all right. But literally, yeah. exactly a year later, man, I got I knocked her up again. So. Oh, same yeah. girl. Same girl. Oh, okay. My bad. <laughs> you got to redo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but let's give a big shout out to Rashawn Jr., dude. Yes, Rashawn yeah. Jr. Yeah, a big shout out to him. Amazing young individual, man. And you get to be a part of his life today. He's such a happy, cool kid, man. I got to hang out with him the other day. Again, he was hanging yeah. around with us. and Yeah, he, he had a good time. He's a good kid, man. TikToking. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he makes more TikToks than me. Yeah. No <laughs> way. <laughs> more than Tony Johnson? No, oh, no one yeah. TikToks more than Tony Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but shout you, out Tony. Yeah, big shout out, Vegas. But you end up, you know, having this kid and you, and you start working, but you partied even harder, right? Yeah. And so at 17 years old, someone you see someone get shot or what? what's what's with the shooting? Well, it was a little bit before I was 17, but okay. uh, we're throwing a party, you know, with our party crew was throwing a party for my boy's 18th birthday party. His mom was there. We ended up. It was a big old, like, fight, big old riot. Started off with his older brother, man, and literally I just remember just fist. Everybody's fighting around me. Um, once the fight settles down, everybody's piled up inside the house, man. You know, there's probably, like, 40, 50 of us up inside this yeah. house, man, and all I remember, I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm literally like, probably, like, five feet away from his mother. She's, like, standing right across from me, like, five feet away, and all you hear is boom, 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 boom. What the? You know, it sounded like somebody was banging on the door really hard, but all I hear is... My boy's father is saying, everybody get down. And I guess they were shooting. And it, just that one lucky bullet that got inside the house ended up hitting his mom right there in front of me. And where, I remember that. Where would it hit her at? It hit her in her arm, right? It yeah. hit her in her arm, and it, it literally bounced out. And it hit, came out like this, like that. And uh, that was it. I remember me. I grabbed my brother. My brother was on house arrest at the time. Yeah, he was. <laughs> yeah, he was at house arrest at the time. I grabbed my brother. I'm like, let's go. We got to go. Yeah, we ran, dude. We got pulled over. The cops didn't even care that my brother was on house arrest. I'm like, man, just take his ass back, dude. But yeah, that right there was actually pretty uh, traumatizing right there, you know? Yeah, um, you think? Yeah, so like out of that whole situation, his mom ended up getting like prescribed the whole Bunch pharmacy. of pills. Yeah, fentanyl patches, everything, man. And then a lot of the pills that she was prescribed, she gave to her son to sell. Yeah. To yeah. make money. And uh, who my, did he sell? My who, new you know, best friend. Yeah, what <laughs> Yeah, what best people to sell to was your your boys, right? Yeah. You know, I had no idea what withdrawal was. I didn't know what addiction was. I was just like, hey, these things make me feel good. I like it. 
I'm gonna you know, do I'm more. I'm gonna keep doing it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, well, you're yeah. about to find out. Yeah, about so to find out. Right during that, era, you know, what I mean, right when I start doing those pills, you know, uh, I ended up quitting my job. I just got involved with the partying, a grip, the party scene. Uh, that's how I made my money. We made our money by throwing parties, promoting parties, and stuff. Um, you know, charging people at the door. That's yeah. we 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 split the money yeah. every weekend. You know, and then I was writing bad checks on my grandma's grandmother's name. You know, I ended yeah. up getting caught. A year later. Yeah. Yeah, my grandfather's like, hey, dumbass, if you're going to write a check in your grandma's name, make sure you spell it right. That's a good idea. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good idea. That sounds like an Alessi moment. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've been a part of a few of those moments. (laughs) So, yeah, he kicked me out for that. That was... Yeah, he wasn't happy. So, he kicks you out, you know, and... um, you know, during this period of time, you know, the relationship with you and the, the mother of your child, right? It's not, it's toxic, dude. Yeah, it's pretty toxic. It's man. pretty toxic, yeah. right? Um, and so now you go through this period where you're like bouncing in and out from grandpa, from your grandparents' house, you know, living with her, going back and you're getting kicked out again because they weren't fans of hers and you loved her, but mm-hmm. they weren't fans of hers because, you know, it was a shitty relationship. You know, this is, let me tell you something about relationships, dude. I learned this from my wife. Okay. If you, let's say, okay, I love all you guys. Right. Okay. And you come to me and you say, my girlfriend's this, she's that, she does this, she treats me this way. Right. And you, and you vent to me and you tell me these things, right. I'm talking about like mom and dad and grandparents, friends. We love each other. We're forgiving. Right. Um, but you tell someone this, you know, and then you end up getting back with her or staying with her. Mm. Those individuals now, because they love you, they're not fans anymore. No. They're not supportive, right? They don't think it's a good idea, right? Now we're all in recovery. We love each other. Men, boys are different, right? Like we just, mm. all right, homie, you you yeah. good? Like, you're all right, okay, well, roll with you. I'm going to roll. Yeah. I'm going to ride with you. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. But, you know, and they work, we work recovery, so we're forgiving, we're loving, we're tolerant, we're understanding, right? But if, if you're not involved in that, those things right there, it makes it very difficult, right? And so maybe that happened, maybe it didn't. I don't know, but that's just a fun fact for all the listeners. You write that down, please. All right. <laughs> But you end up um, at 18 years old, you know, your dad had left you a little bit of money. Yep, got a little bit of money. What's a little bit of money? About 30000 Okay, all right, that's a, a nice chunk. 18 bit. years old, that's fucking $3 million. And you're giving it to a drug addict. Yeah. You know, and so that, that was that was pretty bad, so... What'd you do? Did you get a place? You get a it, car? Ended up, my, my grandfather was like, you need, you know, she needs to leave. And I was like, you know what, how about you give me my money... Yeah, and I'll go to my apart. I'll get an apartment with her. So right away, he gave me, you know, I mean, a nice little fat wad of money. Ended up going to get an apartment with her, and literally like around that time is like when I started getting hooked on heroin. Mm. I started trying, you know, I mean, dabbling in heroin a little bit. Well, that money ain't gonna last very yeah. long. And me, I was a smoker. I liked smoking it. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I was going through it really fast. <laughs> really fast. Yeah. So you know, moving into the apartments, it got to the point, you know. Uh, Guy a few houses down from me, few well, a few doors down from me, slaying heroin, slaying cocaine, slowing everything. Yeah, That's so, pretty convenient. Yeah, start yeah. start pushing heroin for a little while there. Um, start working a uh, a job over at the Gap Warehouse when I st- when I moved in over Shout there. Shout out so. Kanye West. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only yeah. I think he, I think he got uh, dropped. I think for the Gap thing. Yeah, he got canceled. Yeah, he got canceled. <laughs> okay. So you're doing heroin, you're selling heroin, and the two doors down is a dope man. 
this ain't going to end well. No. So, and you're in a toxic relationship. How's this thing end? What, with the relationship? Yeah, well, yeah. just that time period. I mean, that you're selling heroin, yeah. dope man, does he get arrested? I mean, what? how's this thing? Yeah, so the dope, man, the dope man did get arrested. Yeah, that's how it you works. Know, got, got caught up for burglary. So Burglary? Yeah. He's a dope man? He's still burglarizing shit? Dude, I get it. Yeah, dude. Get uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> he got mixed up in that life, man. Um, yeah. But yeah, during that time, it, it just, it, I ended up moving out because, you know, uh, my baby mama, she would always be gone. I would always be it's stuck with my son a lot. You know, she would always be gone. And I would, what I would do is I would draw, drown, drown my sorrows by getting high, you know? So I thought that was the answer of everything. But, you know, at the same time, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I wasn't wrong for the shit I did. I was a, I was a piece of shit junkie. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm just as guilty. You know what I mean? It's probably, I probably treated her like shit for all yeah. I know. You know what I mean? Why she wasn't there all the time. You know, yeah. you probably weren't very fun out, to be around. I probably wasn't very fun to be around. I'm pretty sure I wasn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it just was a toxic relationship. It, we couldn't go more than a few days without arguing with each other. The only know? reason why you're able to see your part in that right now is because you work a program of recovery. Right. 100%. Otherwise, you this, you that, you see what you did, see what you made me do. All right? It's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. No, it's everybody else's fault. Recovery teaches us to focus on our own actions in any situation, man. Um, you know, for a second there, dude, here's a side note. When he was talking about doing heroin for a second there, I was thinking about that moment when you were doing heroin, but you didn't want me to know. And right. I picked you up one day to <laughs> go to work and you were on a nod. He was on, nodded out of my car trying to tell a heroin addict he's not on heroin. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, bro, you haven't slept in six months, dude. You don't sleep, bro. You're not tired. <laughs> I've never seen you tired. You're a meth addict, brother. Yeah, because I was a speed freak. Yeah. And, and like, oh, yeah. <coughs> this dude. I hooked up with this young girl. Remember that girl? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I remember Where? that. And, and I had uh, to go, yeah, I remember that because I had to go far to pick your ass yeah, up. Yeah, wait, Scottsdale. Scottsdale. Huh? It was yeah, in yeah. Scottsdale. No. Hit a Walmart on the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you're selling heroin. You're living in your own place in a toxic relationship. And then finally you move back in with your grandpa like you always do. You you go back with grandpa and, and, and I call mom, right? That's what Ron does too. We call mom when we're in trouble, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's mom and dad to you is grandma and grandpa, right? So you call them. Yeah. That's what we do. We call them. They let us back in. But they only keep letting us back in. I mean, my my parents let me back in pretty much every single time, even at a period of time when dad didn't want me back in the house for great reasons. Um, But finally, at some point, they get really sick of our shit. Sure. Oh, yeah. And so if you had to point out the really sick of your shit moment with your grandfather, when would that be? When you move back in? or? Well, one day I had a buddy over and uh, we're... trying to figure out how we're going to come up on some heroin. Mm. You know, my grandfather comes out and my grandfather goes straight up to his car and starts writing down his license plate number. I'm like, he's like, what the hell is your grandpa doing, man? I'm like, oh, fuck, dude. I'm like, grandpa, give me the freaking, give me the paper. I need to know who's at my goddamn house. (laughs) So I'm going off, man. I'm letting, you know, you're pissed. Yeah. I'm letting my anger get the best of me, man. So I get in his face and he bumps me and I bump him back. He ends up falling back and hitting his head. Oh no! Yeah, you yeah. fall. You know, um, neighbors seeing it and everything. So I. Oh, this up, is out front. Yeah, this is out front, yeah. man. So yeah. the neighbors seeing and everything. He ends up splitting his head open, and I run. You know, best yeah. Thing, yeah, yeah, best thing to do at the moment, I guess. I ended up running, man, and then uh, coming back. You know, my grandfather's gone. He's at the courthouse putting, you know, uh, 
restraining order. Restraining order on me. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's I'm a sick of your shit moment. Yeah, dude. I was a, you know, I ended up going to jail for it. Cops found me at the house. Yeah. You know, when I went back, they they picked me up, sent me. You know, and you didn't go back in that house and live with him, or go back in that house for a long time after that, right? I never went back again. Yeah. Yeah, that was the last time. You know, and it sucked too because you know that that was home. Kind of in a way, you know. Um, yeah, it was home. It was, was home. home. You know, yeah. gra- my grandmother was there. My he was there, even though my grandmother was a crazy ass woman. That was mom, uh, though. That was mom. Yeah, yeah. that was mom yeah. all day long. <laughs> yeah, and so when you when you leave from there, you know, where do you go? I go straight to Maryville to go stay with my aunt and uncle. Right. Out there in the middle of the hood, man. Yeah, for real. Right, yeah. That's middle where you live, Ron, huh? <laughs> 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 right, Pretty close. Pretty Thomas, close. Man. Just because yeah. you just cause we get sober doesn't mean we don't like a little action in our <laughs> lifestyle. Uh, no. Too much, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's hot over there, man. Yeah, it's so, hot over there. Hmm. So what's Maryville look like? Oh, man. It, I'm lucky. I'm only lucky that I got to walk around out there in the neighborhood I was at just Dude. because of my family. Yeah, I'm the only. That's the only reason I got lucky. Mm. Got real lucky, <laughs> but yeah. I can tell you, we, I can tell. I enjoyed myself there because I was with family, but we just did a lot of drinking. I still dabbled in meth a lot while I was there. You know, um, I was working the swing shit at the Gap Warehouse, so I would come home late at night all the time. And my boy Avery lived right down the street, so I would go hit him up, go get high as hell off some meth, come back to the house and chill in the room with my other grandfather. My other grandfather was living there at the time. We shared a room while I was there and stuff. He had no idea, but I'll be up all night just on the fuck. Out. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to make this all vacuum that. better. Yeah. <laughs> You've made some better vacuums, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> I have. Yeah. As a matter I of have. fact, you have. I have. Yeah. And I, I, I tried to get him patented, but uh, uh, it didn't work out. Yeah. Paperwork error. I do. Yeah. I do remember, in case since you shoot, I do remember a time when I showed up at your house and you were turning a broken computer, a cardboard box. And a CD player into a laptop, and it, it worked. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> Did it, man? <laughs> and but you know, so you're out in Maryville, and you know, you, you another traumatic event happens, right? And your grandmother passes. Yeah, my I grandmother mean, what, passes what was that like? Well, it was rough, man, because you know I got a call probably like a week before that from the mother of my son. She was like, "I just seen your grandmother. She's not doing too good." I'm like, well, I'm asking my grandfather if I can see her. And he, you know, I call my grandfather up. He's like, no, you can't come to the house. I don't want you here. Yeah, like, he how's my grandmother? He's like, she's all right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I get that call at work, you know, from the uh, from the mother of my son. She's like, yeah, your grandmother passed away. Mm. And this is the day before I move into my condo. With, with your girl. You guys yeah. are finally saved money. Finally were able to get your money. own place. And yeah. you're finally going to do these things. And grandma passes. Yeah, grandma passes away, man. And just like everything else negative in our life, especially, what do we do? We get drunk, yeah. we get high, and oh, yeah. we try not to feel it, right? Oh, yeah. Um, we like the effects produced, and one of the effects that's produced is it lets me forget. Yeah, yeah it does, dude, in a sense of ease and comfort, right? Oh, that's yeah. what it gives us, but mm. it also, through the years of the progression, it comes with more negative emotions, guilt, shame, embarrassment, remorse, regret, negative consequences, Anger, you know, just a whole bunch of unpleasant things. Um, And so you tie on a sick one, you move in with your girl, um, but the codependency in a toxic relationship and you guys were living in in the hood, right? And you're strung out on meth and heroin and every goddamn thing you can get your hands on just like me. Mm -hmm. Um, Drug of choice, whatever you got now. Uh, That's my drug of choice. Prefer opiates. Anything under the sun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
But during that period of time living with your girl, you got a home invasion happened. Yeah. And what was that like? Very traumatic, man. Um, at the time, uh, I was living with an, uh, another guy who was, a, of course, a heroin addict. Mm-hmm. And uh, he ended up robbing the guy right upstairs from us for, like, I would say about 10 grand. Um, ended up going around the whole neighborhood telling people we had money. Mm. Telling people we had $10,000. You know, you're going to the most hoodest motherfuckers, some of the most brokest people. Tell them that you got $10,000 cash up in your crib. Not so, smart. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, just one, you know, that night, man, all I remember is I'm hearing a bang at the door and I'm like, oh, damn, the cops. I run straight to the back. You room had a warrant. Yeah. So very so, high probability. Yeah, for sure. And then it's out of nowhere, I, I hear the, uh, the mother of my son screaming and her friend screaming. And then she, I would say about four individuals come in running with bandanas over their other faces, guns drawn shoved us all into the bathroom and start going through our house. I'm sitting there. I'm looking at my roommate and I already know what this is about. And they're, they're like, they're telling them where's the money at. And they're pistol whipping them while, the, while they're doing it, you know? Mm. And out of all that, you know, they stole, stole everything, stole all the presents for my kid, every, all that crap. Just right before Christmas too, man. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was the, it was most definitely the beginning of the end right there, man. Yeah, For sure. If we can, run this thing back when we do when we when we drop it and we listen to it the amount of times that you've said traumatic already yeah it's it's been over four five times because that's what you're experiencing and trauma trauma every everybody who is involved in addiction in any way shape or form has trauma they do, right? And so comes in all shapes and sizes. And when you say the beginning of the end, right? What how this this time period in your life ends, you become homeless. Yep. Become and we're talking about homeless, homeless, like going down to Cass and and yeah. getting a bed for the night. Yeah, I'm only twenty years old at the time. You're twenty man. years I'm still old. A damn kid. What was Cass like? I mean, if we take clients there now and it it's the jungle, man. Was it still right that now. bad back it in the day? It wasn't as bad, but it was still bad. It, you didn't want to be walking around there at night by yourself, you know. Um, I sat there in the parking lot right in front of the police smoking meth, you know, right there in the in the men's overflow. That's how much they do. They didn't give a fuck over there, man. For people that aren't from Phoenix, let them know what Cass is. Yeah, so Cass it's is... called The Zone. It's called The Zone. It's, the, it's like uh, Skid Row in California. It's Arizona Skid Row. Sure. Yeah. Homeless <laughs> uh, tents everywhere. It is bad now. Real it bad. is it is worse than I the, anything that I've ever seen in Arizona down there now, and we stop taking our clients there. We just pay for their stuff, we and we don't even we take have. them there anymore. It's just it's a nightmare um, to take you know anyone down there, let alone people in their first thirty, forty, sixty, ninety days oh, of yeah. recovery to get a freaking birth certificate. You know, just to kind of touch base on that, Rashawn and I actually took some clients down there. Remember when I first started working here? When, yeah. when you came over to the center, right, and you and I had gone down there, and it's and it's like, you know, we're both been to prison, and and we're and we got each other's back, like we're we're standing sure. shoulder to shoulder, we're 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 watching, we're looking like we, you know what I mean, like someone's gonna pop off because it it felt that way, right? It's a it's a very dangerous situation down yeah, there for people. I know back then it was dangerous, and now it is, and it's a a direct result of what's going on in the world today. Yeah, it's no fentanyl epidemic. What kind of stuff did you see down there when you were there? Man, I've seen young women been. I've seen young women get raped. You know, um, mm. God, I, yeah, just you know, no, 
no respect towards any, you know what I mean, to, to the police, nothing, man. It's just like, they're just out there with it, man. Like, uh, there's, it's just unruly. I'm telling you, it's like a jungle there. Um, I'm telling you, like, we sat there right there in the parking lot and the cop, the police will be just be sitting right there watching us and we'd just be lighting up and they just, they just they give a fuck as long as you stayed in that parking lot. It's like you know they just mean? push yeah. everybody that's yeah. just like, let's get him in one area. Let's let them kill each other in there and let's leave it alone. Yeah. You know, and that, you know, and that's how bad it's got. But at some point, you know, through all that, you end up finding Native American connections and you got yourself into a program and you started to do great, man. What do you remember about that? Um, the progression of that, right? You know, that's what we're looking to do or that's what sanctuary does. And every mm-hmm. treatment center for the most part who has morals and values and puts client care first, your goal is for that client to go through your treatment, gain some tools, get sober, start to feel again, understand how to feel his emotions or her emotions. And in that process, that's recovery. We're here to recover something right physically mentally emotionally and spiritually and what comes with that is us being able to get our own place Mm. and get our own car and the lives that all three of us are visual proof every single day of right and so that's what happens to you and and you we're working telemarketing though yeah i ended up going to telemarketing yeah what kind of telemarketing were you doing it was was like tl TSL or something on 19th and uh Bizops. Uh, and uh Peak uh Pinnacle Peak Road. It was like 16th oh, Avenue and Pinnacle Peak I've Road. It was like been T- over TKS there. Was some fun or T- Oh, Turnkey Solutions. Turnkey. No, no, not that one. It was TLK or something. I know what oh. Turnkey Solutions is. Were you selling magazines like and TLK. you're selling newspapers? No, I was actually selling uh running credit checks for uh uh, I believe it was Xfinity. Oh, yeah. Xfinity packages. Yeah. Okay. That's the Bizop game. You maybe yeah. didn't know it, but that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. But just like me and Ron and our story, Ron and I and our stories, right? And meeting in a telemarketing room and having bi- a telemarketing business together for a long time. And what, just like our story ended, and the reason why we, one of the many reasons why we don't do telemarketing whatsoever, and that's the only jobs we've really ever had. And we've been successful, but unsuccessful at the same time, because what happens with that is drugs and alcohol. It's part of the business. Mm-hmm. And so you start drinking a lot. Yeah. Start drinking what? a lot. I had a, actually had a roommate that stayed with me who got me the job with, the, you know what I mean? The yeah. guy that helped me out that I grew up with. So man, start drinking a lot, man. That, that became like an everyday thing. I got, I actually say I became like a really still like a hardcore alcoholic when I was there. Um, Every night consisted of just buying beers. Like literally we had a guy who would, we would pay like probably $10, $15 to go steal like five or six dirty packs. Oh, let me get dude, the beer tell- run real yeah, quick. Dude, I'm telling I you, we had our so whole wall runs. full, uh, we had our whole <laughs> wall just full of just dirty packs, dirty packs, bottles, the whole refrigerator full of bottles, everything. It got to the point, man, where, you know, I couldn't even get up in the morning to go to work anymore. That's not good. You know, so. So what's your solution to that? Man, I got, I went to go out. I went out to go buy me some good old crystal meth. Mm. Oh, yeah. this so will yeah. work. That, hey, that was your solution for a long time, Ron. Yeah. It was. Yeah. yeah. You your shirt off in the office. Kind of worked. You got yeah. two headsets on, sweating. Was that me or you? That was that was both of us. That was, Yeah, that was you right yeah. there. And so once you start doing meth now, right, and you're, and you're doing those things and, and you're in doing the telemarketing and you're doing all that, what, how's that? How's the party? Is the party house now? Is the party at your house? It's the Is party the, house, man. It, 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 we had women, different women over at our house all the time. Oh, my man. bad, brother. It was, all right. it was always partying. It was, 
it got it got to the point, man, where I start, you know, bumping heads with my roommate because I start getting tired of the partying. You know, always you beer. got tired of the partying. Well, I wanted to tweak and self isolate. That's what I wanted oh. to do, man. I got tired of the drinking and the people Dude, hey, always you, belligerent. Hey, <laughs> I'm telling you right now. So when we talk about the the three different types of relationships, right? We got codependency, which we're all super familiar with, unhealthy. Then we have interdependency, healthy relationship based off some characteristics that we center our sexual relationship with and our friendships with. Joint communication, honesty, um, you know, genuine concern for one another, joint action, shared decisions from that of friendship, interdependency, healthy relationship. And then what you have also, which is not talked about very much, is called counterdependency, right? And counterdependency is not healthy either. And counterdependency is isolation, right? A counterdependent person would be like someone living off the grid in Alaska and not even having a dog. I don't need anyone or anything. And in our relationship, excuse me, in our addiction, we, I became counterdependent, kind of like you're talking. All I want to do is get my drugs, get high, turn my phone off, close the door, get the computer out, look at some weird shit, right? And don't <laughs> bother me, dude. Right counterdependency and that's just the classic example of the isolation counterdependency that comes from drug addiction and so you're beefing with this dude right and just like everything ends it ends bad you get kicked out for a fight right yeah but i ended up you beat his ass no i ended up beating up the next door neighbor okay at our house yeah, all it right was, it was random yeah <laughs> yeah man i hit I, him with a two-piece yeah and a biscuit yeah he was snoring man <laughs> but um yeah mm-hmm. i ended up Night night. Uh, yeah, he it was crazy. He went back to his dad right after that happened. They went to the management and I was I wasn't allowed to come back. Mm. So I got kicked out. And that's when like the the real homelessness really like kicked in. And then in. you became homeless again and and you know, when we talk about traumatic events, you know, <laughs> the one seeing a woman being raped, your mother abandoning you, your you know, your your dad being gone and dying and someone being shot right in front of you, shot, your house getting shot up, being shot at too many times to to count. Um, and, I mean, there's so many traumatic events. I'm missing several of them. Then you get stabbed. Yeah. What, how the, what, what happened with that? You were homeless yeah. and you got stabbed? Yeah, I was on 19th Avenue in Glendale, man. Literally, middle of rush hour. Um, I believe it was like October... 28th is when it happened uh 2014 i ended up you know meeting up with some guys uh some whole bunch of, it was it was a black dude from the neighborhood ended up grabbing five bucks from him to go pick up some meth he went in on some meth man and i ended up taking like two hours i was gone for about two hours man i was waiting for the dope man dude on the side of the road he thought i jacked him so he came uh someone saw me on the side of the road they told him he came literally at me with about seven him and seven of other seven other five dollars over five dollars they ended up jumping me right there in front of the ace hardware right next to the quick trip man middle of the day man and it's crazy because while they're jumping me i'm on the floor i'm getting stabbed man and you see these people driving it's rush hour man remind you we're literally on the side of the road and there's just people driving by and not even noticing a damn thing i am caring just another junkie getting beat up again you know what i mean so yeah, after they beat me up, man, I remember I got up and I you brushed got myself stabbed. Up. Yeah, stabbed up. You know, they severed my liver and uh, severed one of my main arteries in half. They put a coil, a metal coil, in one of my arteries to keep the blood flowing. Mm. So, okay, all right, yeah. that's traumatic. A <laughs> little bit, you know. Yeah. You were in a coma. Yeah, 
about a week and a half. Okay. All right. When you woke up out of the coma, did you ask if you won the game or not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Bill's Mafia, my cousin. You know what it is. No, actually, when I woke up, I remember my grandfather was there. And mm-hmm. um, I remember I asking him, man, like, this is like a turning point for me to where, like, I really start getting a, a you know, I mean, the ba- a, a real bad case of the fuck it. You know, mm-hmm. my grandfather's right there. And he's like, yeah, I heard you got stabbed over some drugs. I'm like, that's it was over five dollars, but okay, you know, yeah. you got me there. Yeah, cool. all right, you, you win. Know? And I told okay. him, you know, I needed to recover. I needed all this stuff, and I was like, can I go to the house? Can I, re- you know, yeah, can I come back? Recover? And he's like, nah, you can't come to the house. I just wanted to make sure you're still breathing. That's it. Yep, gotta go. He's like, you gotta. He's like, I don't know what you what you're gonna do, but you ain't come to the house. I really don't care what you gotta do. Yeah, mm. you, know, you can't so stay just, here. Yeah, so like at that moment right there, man, I really just didn't give a fuck. Yeah, that's nothing. Like you got nothing to live for, really. I mean, you sure you had your son this whole time, right? But he's with the baby moms, and you know we're so out of touch from it. Um, and and at that point, it all bets are off. And yeah. for guys like us, when all bets are off, right, and we have a case of the fuckets, there's really only two things that end up happening, and those two things are prison and death. Yep. And you're sitting here today, so that means you went to prison, yep. right? Prison. Yep. Okay. All right. And so you ended up you know, going into county jail, right? And you catch a case, and you're in there, and they give you the old okey-doke like Arizona does. And wh- when I say give you the old okey-doke, why don't you explain what I'm talking about? Well, I was on probation for drug paraphernalia. Naturally. So when I got arrested, I, got a, I had a machete in my pants. <laughs> Okay. They pulled up machete out of my pants and shit. So they they charged me for misconduct involving weapons. Okay. So sat in county for a few months. Got to the you know the uh, settlement conference whatnot. I signed a plea for two and a half years. I'll take two. Okay, yeah, two and, and a half. Then, yeah, I was like, man, this is a sweet deal. Hell yeah, two and a half. I could do that. Nothing. No big you deal. Know? And then literally the day after I signed for that two and a half, they paid two me for taking that day of another, which all I did was. Um, I used a stolen debit card to buy food at Jack in the Box, $18 worth of food. And um, just because I entered that plea the day before saying I'm guilty, they counted that as a historic prior against me, and they bumped me from a Category 1 to a Category 3. And when he says that, we're talking about a sensing chart that Arizona uses, which I, dude, when I, I could picture right now here in this moment, I could picture that sensing chart in my head right now. Mm-hmm. I will never forget what Category 3 looks like, and I hope to God I never forget what that Category 3 looks like. Yeah, it's horrible. Category 1 is the lightest sentence. Category 3 means you're fucked, you're aggravated sentence, and you're doing time. And we're talking about $18 of food, right? Um, We're talking about someone like all three of us who did lengthy prison sentences. Actually, all three of us caught an eight-year prison sentence. Seven flat. Seven flat, right, which is eight years, (laughs) right? So um, we have a drug problem. Right. That's what we have. And 90% of everybody in prison has a drug problem, right? And the ones, the 10% who don't have a drug problem and still do lengthy prison sentences, those are the scary motherfuckers. (laughs) something's wrong with you bro (laughs) right those are the ones you want to stay away from dude when you tell me you did sober you got prison sentence sober right and it wasn't from your past 
There's some, something's going on there, player. <laughs> right? But you, they get, I mean, that's just classic Arizona, you know? And you're, all three of us, you probably tell me if you guys, if you guys run into the same thing. I'm a Dateline guy, right? I watch every Dateline. There isn't one I haven't seen. 48 hours, true crime. That's all I watch. I want to see real footage and I want to see real mugshots. And 60 plus percent of the time, when they get sentenced, they get less time than I got. Yeah. yeah, every they, time, dude. Yeah. You know that chick uh, Jen Shaw that we were talking about um, that got caught up in the telemarketing yeah. uh, scam with a bunch of people we were in telemarketing with, who right. was on the Real Housewives of uh, Utah. Yeah, right. Yeah. We're talking about millions upon millions of dollars. She got six and a half years. You believe that shit? <laughs> every yeah. time, man, it checks out. I get eight. I get eight years for eighteen dollars. Yeah. Shout out to the Bravo Beauty. <laughs> Go see her page. Yeah. Um. But here we are, ma'am. And, and you said it before. It saved your life, right? And so here we are. Your sobriety date is February twenty fourth, two thousand fifteen, dude. Yeah. Ugh. That's a miracle, bro. It is. It's awesome. I'm so fucking proud of you, dude. And, you know, during this period of time and catching the prison sentences, not only did you catch prison sentence and you, you're about to find a prison yard, but you also found God in this period of time. Yes, I did. Do you remember when that moment was? Was it a gradual process? And how did that happen? Let's get to the recovery, man. So I would say probably two months into my, you know, jail sentence, while I was in jail waiting to be sentenced and whatnot, um, I start going to church, man. You know, that fog literally start like, you know what I mean, falling from my eyes like that that fogginess, the, uh, you know, everything start coming to realization, all the damage and destruction I laid in my wake, man. And, um, I knew, I knew there was something there, man, that I needed to do or needed, you know I mean? needed to gravitate towards to get right again. Right. So I started going to church, man. And that's, uh, I believe it was April, it was in April, 2015, man. I started going to church for the first time. And, um, Right there and then, like, you know, the message that was being told to me, you know, I mean, my higher power, God, Jesus, you know, uh, the peace that it brings you in, especially in crappy, you know, I mean, crappy situations, yeah. like the situation I was in, you know. So I gave my, you know, that day I remember I got on my knees and I gave myself, you know, to Jesus Christ, to, to my higher power, you know. And um, from there on, I remember just like, you know, if it wasn't for that, I remember I was I was in my jail cell writing letters, you know. To people trying to make amends, you know, not even getting through. The, yeah, I mean, for, you know, first. Well, you're second, like, you're, you're like me, bro. You're, yeah. you're like me. Uh, the only program I ever worked previous to this one is step one and step nine. Yeah. I'm powerless <laughs> and unmanageable because you caught me and I can't lie I'm about sorry. it. Anyway. Exactly. I'm sorry. Straight to number nine. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's just, it's just crazy. But but you did that because you felt it on your heart, which was yeah. God that flows through you. You made a connection. And you felt an effect, right? The yeah. same effect that we get. It might not be the same type of rush of euphoria. It could be. It might not be that same type that drugs and alcohol gives us, but we feel an effect. And that effect we all feel on a day-to-day basis, and we've structured our lives around God and feeling that effect. And so you end up getting an eight-year prison sentence, and that's when we meet. We go to Santa Rita together, brother. Good old Santa. We were on a three yard. It was locked down every other day. It was a high three yard, right? It was yeah. cell living, and that's where we met. And we used to see each other and talk, and we worked out sometimes together. And I kind of worked out solo because I like to listen to country music yeah. and cry while I worked out. That was kind of my jam, <laughs> right? But that's yeah. where we met, and that was in 2015, dude. And we followed each other for the next, you know, 
almost you know five six years we were on the same yard every single time and then finally you know you you end up going to florence north unit we run back into each other i look like a zombie like i'm gonna die and you're scared so we're not really hanging out oh no yeah we were were on two different paths at the time right but what's cool about our relationship is you see me doing good and you see me in down and just ready to die truthfully um and then you see me recover yeah. Right. And you've seen mm-hmm. that progression. We got to experience that together and share that together. And, it, you know, and we're at North, you know, we're going to meetings, you're going to church services, you know, you're on the fire crew. You, what was being on the fire crew look like for you? Uh, being fighting on the fire fires crew. in prison. Yeah. Fighting fires in prison, man. Certified firefighter, man, through the state of Arizona. Um, it was, it was an amazing experience, man. You know, I, I could tell you right now that experience alone was, uh, Something that God put in my path, you know, I mean, to teach me. It is no joke, Discipline, dude. you know, teach me, gave me a good work ethic. You know, that's why I show up every day. You know, I'm up every morning. You know, I learned it from my brothers I was around. You know, like God, he puts people in your lives. You know, I mean, he talks to you through people that he puts in your life, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like when people say Perfect. that God's talking to you, it's like he's talking to me through you. He's talking to me through Ron, you know what I mean? And it's up to, you know, basically up to me to not ignore those signs and just to listen, right? Yeah, that's an RA original, was it? Yeah. Go ahead, brother. I won't steal your shine. Go ahead. I believe God wears people clothes. There it is. Yep. I agree with <laughs> There you, it bro. is. If that I could hit the drums on the board right now, I yeah. would have done it, dude. <laughs> yes, dude. And it's so true. And the only reason that we all feel that way because we've experienced it. And the only way that we experience it and the only way we feel that way is because we start doing our part, which is God's will and being of service to others and listening and having compassion and being understanding and forgiving and being of service. And through that, we get to experience God because he puts people in our lives mm. and we're able to, you know, feel his power. Right. Yep. Um, and so you're on the fire crew. Ain't no joke. Ron, were you on the fire crew? No, didn't think so. <laughs> he said no. <laughs> and it ain't no joke. I wasn't on the fire crew either, bro, but all shout out to all the fire crew dudes. You know who you are. Big shout out to all you guys. Cause that, I mean, they're out there. They leave the prison yard. They go to a fire with civilians and other fire, um, fighters and they fight wildfires and no joke it ain't no joke no it ain't no joke no it ain't no joke um and during this period of time though about four years into your recovery you started working the steps for the first time Start working the steps. what was that like for you so actually you know i mean after uh like you know i mean four years into my recovery i ended up injuring my back so i had to leave the fire crew yeah i remember, and, I remember you know, that I was pretty miserable, man. Like, I wasn't happy that I'm sober. You know, I'm in good shape. I'm all, and I'm doing everything you would think somebody could do to be happy, right? You know, and then I'm sitting on the yard, you know, I'm seeing Matthew. Maddie, Maddie you know, I mean, uh, Matthew mm-hmm. Langford. He's my next-door neighbor, man. That's my he's, sponsor. He's my, yeah. yeah, he's your sponsor, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I'm seeing... Maddie, I'm seeing you come around again, and you got a glow on you, dude. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> but... uh you know, I remember, I remember going up to Maddie. I'm like, hey, dude, like, what's going on, man? Like, why are you guys are so you guys happy? Dude? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you guys are always helping each other. Like, you always read into some books, man. Like, it seems like you're always bettering yourself, man. Like, I want that, man. I want to be happy. And I, met, I remember Maddie pulls out that big book. He's like, here you go. I was like, oh, fuck, dude. You're one mm-hmm. of those. I'm like, not one of those dudes. Man. I think guys are, you guys are those dudes. <laughs> yeah. So, like, but you know what? Um, I dove into it, you know. Uh, I gave it a shot, dude. And uh, I remember I got to my third step. And I just stopped, you know, after my third step, man, I just stopped working on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
I got, you know, my back started feeling better. I just start diving into just uh, working out, hustling every day. You know, mm-hmm. I got, I start working at the bus barn. Interesting. Yeah. You stopped yeah. at the third step. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, he went back and worked the steps. I worked the steps twice already. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> oh, the sponsor Ron just come out? Yeah, the sponsor Ron. Oh, my. Yes, he what did. step are you on right now, Rashawn? I'm on the fourth step, right? Oh, okay, yeah. okay brother. I'm working it again, man. Yeah, but you see that. It's so common, dude. They do the one, two, three shuffle. I got a little mm-hmm. bit of God. I felt a little bit better, right? And the bleeding then, stopped, man. Yeah, and then we yeah. four step. Wait, hold up. I'm not willing to do all that. I'm good. I got relief, yeah. not recovery, but I think I have recovery, but I got relief, and it, it tricks us. It fools us. This thing's cunning, baffling, and powerful, yeah. and you continue to go about, but you become miserable again, right? I became miserable again, man. Um, that's expe- It happened again, like right around COVID when COVID hit, when they moved all of us from yard two to the yeah. tents. Remember that? Yeah. That big oh, old move to yeah, the tents. Yeah, that. They put all the fire for, and you know, and I'm going to call it like it is, the firefighter dudes think they're entitled yeah, and they think they're privileged and they think they're special. Right? <laughs> they do. And they're all my friends. Okay? <laughs> and you know what it is, especially Florence. Especially all, Florence Fire the Crew. The Florence yeah. Fire Crew think they're the best in the world. Yeah. They were pretty damn good, but they ain't the. Yeah, all right. Another show, <laughs> yeah. another, time, another, right? another time. Right? And then they put all the <laughs> fire crew who wants everything and they put them in the tents, dude. They were so mad. Bro. Put you in the tents, too, no, I wasn't in the tents. No. He was a, over in Baker, man, just yeah. chilling in that AC. No, Alpha. I, I was enable. I was enable. Yeah, 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 just living. In the yeah. dream. They were so mad, dude, that they had to go live in a tent because they closed that. They were in the process of closing North Unit down completely. And so they were moving and consolidating and moving and consolidating and COVID and, you know, everything that came with that. Mm-hmm. But what ended up happening was is through that period of time, you got back into recovery. Yeah. I met Joseph Thorson, your, yeah, your sponsor. One of my sponsors. Yeah. So I, re- I really connected with him, man. Uh, I felt like I could open up to him that he was very understanding at the time. So. You know, I actually, I dove back into the steps with them, man. Um, I ended up getting to my fourth step again, and then it was like perfect timing, too. I believe it was just a god shot. They ended up quarantining the yard. COVID and stuff, dude. So I literally they quarantined us for about a month Cannot straight. Cannot get away from me now. Yeah, and I, and you know, I have a mental. You know, what I mean, I have mental disorders, man. I have ADD. I have ADHD. So it's like it's real hard to like get me to sit down and do something for too long at one time. Well, you know, what I mean, at one point. So I remember every day just making it a point for about thirty minutes to an hour every day, sitting in my sitting in my cell on my bunk and Baker run with yeah. all those cockroaches. A ton and, of cockroaches. Yeah, man. With all the yeah. Oh my god. And then I remember I'll just write down two names, three names a day. You know, spend another thirty minutes the next day. I made it a point every day to open up that book and start writing down. And I remember coming off of uh right right when we came off of quarantine and start working that fist step. Yeah. And you know, I actually let stuff out do that I never let out before. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like stuff that you don't tell other people in prison, right? Yeah, no, I get you that. Know what I mean? And I remember just sitting there, man, and I'm, you know, I'm having that pain in my back too. So at the same time, dude, but I got through it. Yeah, you did. And you work the steps, man. You get through Mm -hmm. it, dude. And now here we are and they're getting ready to move the yard. But during this period of time, um, before we get moved, while you're working the steps and while your back's hurting, you're also not feeling well. No. Right. You're not feeling well, but you don't know really what it is. And for anyone who's done any prison time, DOC will let you die. And they'll let you die to the point where you're about to die. And then they 
will try to treat you, but it's too late. So they don't have to spend the money to treat you the way they should have treated you when they first recognized it. But instead they tell you they didn't see anything, go drink some water and take some ibuprofen, get your, get back out there. You'll be fine. Right. How many people have we all watched die in there because of the healthcare system and the department of corrections? So many. many. And you almost became one of those people and and your story and this part of it and everything you've been through and then this happening to you now and you making it through it is a fucking miracle, bro. It is. Like true miracle, right? And so you're not feeling good, dude. And they go to medical. How many times, dude? I I went to medical countless times, man. Like what they tell you. They told me I had to pull muscle in my back. No big deal. You got to yeah. pull muscle. Just Here's pull some muscle. icy hot. Did you get icy hot? Uh, muscle rub. They gave me muscle rub. Yeah. Okay. Naproxen, ibuprofen. Drink some water. Yeah. Throw some muscle rub on your back. Mm-hmm. Hold muscle. And we don't know, right? We know we're not feeling good. We know that we can't see an x-ray. We don't see. We, we might take x-rays. We might do these things, but we don't read them. We don't see them. And they tell us we're okay, but we're not, right? Yeah. And so they end up moving you to Globe when they close down the prison. And you get yeah. to Globe. And you get right into recovery. You carry what everybody did, you mm-hmm. know, at, at North Union. Shout out to the guys. And you start, you know, getting meetings and you're doing all these things and you're there with your sponsor and everything. And it, But you're not feeling well, dude. No, like my back just kept hitting. So why don't you take hurting. it from there? Yeah. So, you know, uh, I believe it was September of 2020. So I actually, when I actually just stopped working out, I'm like, man, my back's not getting better, dude. It just, it hurts. It hurts real bad. It's one man. hell of a pulled muscle. Yeah, it's mm. one hell of a pulled muscle, right. dude. And now they're, t- they're starting to tell me that maybe it's a separated, like a, a pulled tendon or a separated muscle and everything. So it's like, all right, now I just got to chill that it get better. Right. Yeah, it's from the working out. I can't yeah. stop. Right. Can't, st- you know, but yeah, just, I just stopped working out completely, you know, just stopped doing, I stopped doing the things I love doing. So I, I focus most of my time into just, you know, I mean, going to my meetings. I had a sponsee, my first sponsee I had on the yard over at Globe and stuff. I, I kept working with him and whatnot. But then COVID hit. You know, it's COVID, a yard. Of COVID like hit there, yeah. Yeah, with like 300 men and, and about 260 of us get it. So when I, I ended up getting it, like it was some people in the kitchen that got it and they're serving trays to everybody. Yeah. And the people who were serving them got COVID. So they literally the whole yard, probably like 230 out of like 280 get, get sick. Mm. So six people out of that whole yard get sent to cast for uh, because the quarantine. Whole, be, only, well, si- only six because so they come they come to me, they uh check my blood pressure and they're like, Holy shit, what's wrong with your like your blood pressure's through the roof. So I'm one of those lucky six that gets sent to cast for a two week quarantine. Casting, yeah. I mean not cast, but casting. Yeah. So um the whole. Yeah, the whole basically. Yeah. Yeah. So COVID actually threw my heart into atrial flutter. So on top of the, you know, I mean, the issue I had in my back, I had this heart issue happening. And they tell me, oh, it's just anxiety. You know, I go to the medical, they're telling me, oh, you just have really bad anxiety. Well, Drink some water, take some yeah. ibuprofen, you'll be okay. Yeah, like, it literally felt like every time my heart would, like, miss a, miss a beat, it would, like, beat weird. And, you know, I would lose my breath every time. So, because that happened, well, I, you know, I was diagnosed with anaplastic large cell lymphoma, not mm-hmm. Hodgkin's lymphoma. Cancer. Cancer. You had cancer so, the whole time. Yeah, cancer, and Cor- my body Cor- stopped fighting. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was eating your spine. It was eating through my the right side of my spine and three of my ribs. Back problem, cold ribs. muscle. Through no, some water. You had cancer. Yeah. And so, it, yeah, yeah it was it was pretty bad, man. And uh, because my body started fighting the COVID, it stopped fighting the, the tumor, basically. And it literally grew, like, probably 
twice the size of a softball. I looked like the hunchback of Notre Dame. Mm. Walking, yeah, it was bad. <laughs> and so they couldn't deny yeah. that. So oh, they, they kept telling me it was a torn muscle. They said it balled up in my back. Jeez. They denied me. Yeah, for about, I would say about 10 months. I, 10 months? They, I, uh, it took 10 months for me to get to the hospital and get diagnosed. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So they, so when the, you get to the hospital, that's when you find out you have cancer. Yeah. Within like, what stage was it in? It was stage two. It was, okay. it was, it was in one area, but it ate through three of my ribs and it started eating through the right side of my spine. Wow. When I got to the hospital, I wasn't able to walk on my own anymore. So, um, yeah, the, literally it took, it took about, about a good 20, 25 minutes just being in the hospital. Like right when I got there and for them to figure out like, Hey, you, we don't want to scare you, but we think it's cancer. Mm. Like, dude, this thing's eating you. Like, you're literally being eaten alive. I'm scared. That's what they told me. Yeah, yeah dude. Well, it was even that the fact like I was even like when he told me that you would think someone's you somebody would just start crying, freaking out, and whatnot. But like, literally, I could tell you right now that I I really did feel a peace come mm. over me. Like, power of God, something telling me like you're going to be all right. And I was just sitting there, and I was just like, okay, then what are we going to do? You know? And they sent me to. Uh, Banner University in Phoenix drove me all the way over there from Globe and you know doctor see me and you know God is good man because he came up to me he's like it's an aggressive cancer man but the tr- it's very treatable we could treat it right here right now. you know what I mean get you on the chemo got me on the chemo man and uh, I had some good hair going on man and the, yeah, the yeah. hardest thing about that that situation <laughs> for me dude which is some people might find it crazy is that I had to lose my hair man Becky with the good hair mm-hmm. dude I was pissed <laughs> yeah, you're mad about that. Yeah. yeah, I was freaking furious. I worked really hard on that hair, man. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah, you did. It was hard, man. Grew that hair we for got a while. Great hair yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. You got yes. good hair now too. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but what people don't know who haven't been to prison, you know, and what happens is, is they take you to when you're fighting anything that's cancerous or anything major or you're dying, they take you to the infirmary at Central Unit, the oldest prison in Arizona. It's a shit show over there. It's it's horrid, and that's the you know max unit as well. But you're in the hole pretty much, and you're in a hole by yourself in a cell fighting cancer. Yeah, I was. Uh, they they took me to an ISO cell because of uh, isolation cell. Yeah, just because of the the fact that my white blood cells were so low that I couldn't be around anybody. So they stuck me straight into ISO cell. So I'm in this cell by myself for about five six months straight, fighting cancer, fighting cancer, all alone by yourself, yeah. all alone. But you know. I could tell you, like, all I had in my cell with me that I got, that got sent to the yard, uh, from the the yard I was at to me instead was my recovery Bible. It, it was the Bible, and, you know, I, and inside it had, you know, verses from the big book and whatnot, dude. So, like, every morning, man, I would wake up. I had a routine going on. I would wake up, read my recovery Bible for about an hour. And then, you know, after my third round of chemo, I put it in my routine to where I started working out again. Start got I got to do the things that made me happy again, you know what I mean? So after the third round of chemo, I'm in my cell. I'm working out all the time. I'm staying connected with the other guys who have cancer, you know, next door and whatnot. And it, it, it was a rough piece, dude, but I could tell you right now that it, it was God that got me through that. My praying, by state, you know what I mean? Having hope, faith. Courage. And just, yeah, courage. It, it just all that. It, it, God played a big role in that, you know, and it, it showed me that he was really there when that peace rolled over me when I was diagnosed with cancer, you know. And you beat it. Yes, right now. Inspirational, yeah. man. Yep, in June of 2021, I went into remission, so. Yes. Still there. Yes, you know. yes. Yeah. 
and and you beat it, man, and 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 you made it out, dude. And so you get released in February, or excuse me, November twenty fifth, Thanksgiving Day. Thanksgiving Day, dude. Yep, oh sure. yeah, and you go oh, yeah. to a reentry facility, and you get there, and that's where you meet Ron. Right, yep. you meet yep. Ron. Ron there, he's yeah. one Killing of the peer it. support, you know, specialists mm-hmm. there, and you know, he's doing his thing, and and he meets you, and you're there, and you're about your business, man. Yep. The same way you've been since you turned your life over to God back in 2015, and the same way you were through all the trials and tribulations that come with doing prison, and and also come with experiencing cancer in prison, which there's only a handful of people that ever who've made it out from that because of DOC's facts and you know, you make it out and you get to new freedom and you hit the ground running and you do everything that you have to do there. And at some point in time I seen on Facebook or I came there for a meeting, I think Mm -hmm. I was coming there for meetings and I said, Hey, what you going to do when you get out of here? You want a job? Yeah. You, I remember (laughs) you actually called me up and you were like, Hey man, need a job i was like you already know bro yeah you're like, yeah i do as a matter of fact <laughs> i was go. like all right you're hired yeah. <laughs> we're gonna figure this out yeah. <laughs> two days after after graduating man freaking was already working a sanctuary man yeah so. you got out after graduating the program you moved into sober living you started working at sanctuary man and and you know a lot of people who work in behavioral health you know they they got a, it's like a rite of passage to work overnights and that's what you did and you did, worked overnights for me for a long time man for six months six months <laughs> You worked yeah, overnight and the first opportunity that I had, man, you never miss work. You worked every shift. You worked any shift. I could call you anytime, day or night, which I have, and yep. ask you to work and had a Uber. Remember one time I called you and had an Uber out front for you? That was like my literally like my fourth day at work, man. Oh, that was? Yeah, you were like, hey, dude, 11 o'clock at <laughs> You're night. You're ruthless, bro. <laughs> literally 11 at night, he's like, I'm at the sober living, and he's, he's like, hey, I need you to come in. I'm like, fuck. All right, I'll, I'll ask my house manager right now. I'll ask Ron, and Ron's like, Jason, yeah, you're good. You're good. Shout out Ron Carter. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> and I yep. knew what I said. I said, hey, I got an Uber out front, brother. Yeah, Uber's <laughs> already outside, right? I got to go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just your work yeah. ethic, bro. And you're mm-hmm. still that way today with the company. And, and this company and Sanctuary rewards people who work hard, dude. And you got into a day shift after that, dude. And then we had an opportunity for an opening at the clinic, which you work at today, our IOP clinic. And now you're a case manager. And you get to work yeah. with Ron and I. We see each other every day and we just get to experience the miracles that's happened in our life and help other people in, in, in the process, dude. Yeah. It doesn't even feel like work at times. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't, dude. No. And your life today reflects the promises that materialize over and over and over again in your life. Um, and you're a house manager of a sober living today. Yep. Yes, I am. Get at him if you need a room. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Where where could they find you at, dude? Find you on Facebook if they need a place. Yeah, find me on Facebook, man. Yeah, reach need out. Need yep. a bed. Got to have that out, money. Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rashawn don't play any games either, no. dude. Could you imagine, dude, if you're behind on your rent, you got Rashawn coming up. He's not a small dude, and he's about yeah. the business. No. Yeah, you do like your grandpa. Your grandpa did. You can't stay here, brother. No, can't stay here. <laughs> he taught you something. Yeah. You better be working them twelve steps, man. And you better come correct with the program. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, bro. That's a, and you're good, right? Yep, and I'll, yep. but. 
People want to help people who want to help themselves. Mm-hmm. That's the facts of it. You know, you got a car, you got your son back in your life. You've got promoted multiple times at work. You got sponsees, you got multiple service commitments. You and Ron are going all over. Um, and you guys get to do that together. You know, the most important being your son back in your life. Yep. That's, that's and, the most important thing. And that's man. the most important you know. thing. But not only do you have your son in your life, you got your a girl in your life. Yep. Lindsay. Shout out, Lindsay, dude. Yeah. You know what it is. I mean, what's it like having a healthy relationship? Is it's it? actually, man, we actually talk. We actually communicate, man. I could tell you, me and her have been together for about eight months already, man. We had not had one argument. Yet, yeah. You know, and we actually, like, it, it's crazy, man. Just, like, we we, we we preach it here every day. It's all about communication, man. It's all about being open, honest, you know. And that's what I learned from this program and. It, it, the, pros, the, the proof is in the pudding, man, right there, man. Being open, honest, you know, being straightforward, assertive, you know, rela- you know having that, that relationship with, the higher, with our higher power and stuff, man. Like, me and her have the relationship with our higher power, and we believe that has a big, you know, positive, you know, attribute to our relationship. Like, we, yeah. pray, we pray every night before we eat. Yeah, you know absolutely. I mean? And it's it, it, it's really is a beautiful thing, dude. I couldn't be more happier. You know, yeah. you know I, I I just want to say real quick, you know, I was, I was thinking for, for the people in the program, you know, you hear people build those four corners, right, your four corners. And I've done that. I've Since I've been out of prison, I built my four corners. And then I built this wall. And um, it has been just awesome uh, this this year that just passed that you are one of those corners in my life, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, we work together, we, we go to meetings together, we, we work the steps together, you know, you, you wanted a different experience cause you understand that this, this thing is all about having different experiences and, yeah. and you would ask me to take you through the steps and you and I are, are doing that together mm-hmm. and we have formed this relationship that I cherish very much, you know, and, um, you are just a, a, a pleasure to be around. Uh, pleasure big as hell. So if anybody messes with mm-hmm. me, you're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, but, <laughs> but I look at you and I see the promises and I see what's happening in your life. And mm-hmm. I personally need to see that. Yeah. I have to see that in my life. You could tell us about unicorns all day long, mm-hmm. but you are living, breathing proof that if you do the right things, the right things are going to happen, and some beautiful things will come to pass. Yeah. Uh, the book says that, right? Yeah, yeah. it says that. It's definitely, it definitely says that. You know? But he's right, man. And and too, it's it's just a trip because we've been. I mean, we've been knowing each other since 2015, dude. And here we are, dude. Yeah, here we are, man. <laughs> you know. And and those are the moments that we have to have in our lives, bro. It continues to get us to continue to move forward and be visual proof to others the power of God that will work if you put the action steps in and your life will continue to get better, dude. And we get to be a part of that, bro. Yeah. So it's been a pleasure having you on the show today, dude. Yes. We love you. Um, your story is so inspirational. It's got to be heard. Share this episode, like, subscribe, but always continue to do that. Where can they find us at, Ron? Facebook, TikTok, Ronnie, no matter what, powers the powerful, uh, Jason and Sarah, um, please reach out to us. And I, someone just put on my heart tonight from hearing you. If you're out there and you're struggling or someone, you know, struggling, reach out, reach out to one of us, reach out to somebody because you matter and you're valuable. 
Yeah, reach out, man. That's the hardest thing to do, dude, is to reach out when you need help, man. But we're here to help you. So continue to reach out. It's been another episode of the Powerless to Powerful Recovery podcast. Continue to tune in. We love you. We appreciate you. And please, please share our message. Thank you.